Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today's psalm is a reading from Psalm 61. To the choir master, with stringed instruments of David. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you, and my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. Salah, for you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Prolong the life of the king. May his years endure to all generations. May he be enthroned forever before God. Appoint steadfast love and faithfulness to watch over him. So will I ever sing praises to your name, as I perform my vows day after day. This is the word of the Lord. Not much context given to open this particular psalm, as we've seen in some of the more recent ones, only that it's to the choir master, again, as most of them are, with stringed instruments, so type specific types of instruments to be used, and that David wrote it. What did David write? Why did he write it? The why is tricky. Again, with the context not provided, verse 2 gives us a hint, so let's get there. Verse 1, first we hear, Hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. And to put it simply, he does. When we pray to God, he hears us. And he also answers us, which is good. Thanks be to God for this. Jesus taught us to pray. Taught us to pray the Lord's Prayer specifically because he knew our Father who art in heaven would hear us. So David prays, From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Now we could take verse 2 as an indication that God hears our prayer no matter where we are. This is true. Even when Jonah was in the belly of the great fish in the book of Jonah, God heard his prayer and God answered. But this may be more than that. This might be an indication that something is going on in David's life, which has led some to comment that perhaps this is during Absalom's coup. In 2 Samuel chapter 15, the son of David seeks to take the throne from his father. He raises up a small band of soldiers for himself. Uh, he gets a chariot, which may be the first chariot in Israel, that wasn't an enemy function. He gathers a band of about 50 men together. And he gets King David to allow him to go to Hebron, where he has it declared of him that he is king. David recognizing then what is going on, David will take his faithful, loyal servants and he will flee. So this could be our reference for verse 2, 2 Samuel 15, that David is on the run again, and calling out to God to hear his prayer to answer. If it is meant to be more generic, this certainly applies to us. Uh, 
I suppose we could say that even if it's not meant to be more generic, if this is David's plea because he has left Jerusalem, he has left the house of the Lord, hear my prayer. We can call to God from wherever we are, no matter the reason that our heart is faint. Whatever it is that is afflicting you in this moment, the Lord is present. The Lord hears, and the Lord is faithful. Call out to him. Speak to your God, for he is good. Now verse 2 continues, Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against my enemy. Even within this section of verses 2 and 3, lead me to the rock seems to be a reference to God himself. Where he says, lead me to the rock, higher than I, for you, strong tower. Those verse 3 references are God himself, so why not verse 2 as well? And this would make a lot of sense. There's a connection back to Exodus chapter 17, where as the Israelites are wandering in the wilderness, they grumble against the Lord about not having anything to drink, and so God commands Moses to give Israel water from the rock. Paul, writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, will go on to say in verse 4 that that rock was Christ. We also see this in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, where Jesus, after Peter's great confession, saying, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus answers and says that on this rock I will build my church. That rock isn't Peter, although he's given the name Peter, which is Greek for rock. That's Petros, and then Jesus, when he says rock, next says Petra, the feminine form. He's referring to the confession of Peter's faith, of who Jesus is. So the church is built on the confession of faith in Christ. The church is built on Jesus, which then goes to Matthew 7, verse 24, uh, the parable Jesus tells about the house that is built on the rock. We are built on the rock. We are built on Christ. God is our refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. When enemies see strong defenses, sometimes their heart will crumble within them. They will lose courage. They will turn tail and run. The Lord fights for his people. The Lord is for you. He is with you. That's not always a guarantee of some kind of earthly success, but it is a guarantee that you are immortal now, that even if you die in this life, Christ has promised that he will raise you from the dead. Our enemies have no power over us. Satan cannot snatch you out of the Father's hand. Nor can a political party or an earthly government or a wicked boss or a bad teacher. The Lord is our refuge and strength. A strong tower against the enemy, any enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever, verse 4. Take refuge under the shelter of your wings. So again, the picture like Matthew 23 of, of a mother hen who gathers her chicks under her wings and protects them. Jesus offered to do for Jerusalem. They didn't want it. The Lord does for us. It's very much a, a language we see a few times in the Psalms. 
We would dwell in God's tent forever. The Lord did not have a temple built yet. This is a reference to the tabernacle, the house of God, where his people could come and hear his voice, where they could come and hear his word, where they could come and receive forgiveness for their sins from the Lord. Now, it's worth saying that tabernacle has been long lost, and even the temple has long been destroyed. So good family conversation today. Where can you go to find shelter in the Lord and his tent? Where can we take refuge in God? Where do we go? And while I certainly would love to have children answer that question with the church, it's a good answer. Right? The church, as in the building, the, the place in your community, it is the place of promise in your community, the place where you know you can hear God's word rightly proclaimed, the place where you know you can receive the forgiveness of sins through the absolution, through the Lord's Supper, where you know baptism is there for the generations to come. There's a beautiful thing about having this place of promise with us, and it doesn't have to be a fancy building. House churches have existed more often, probably, uh, throughout the history of the world than fancy buildings. Either's good. Nowhere to go. But I would also love for our children to be able to answer prayer, God's word, and their parents. You are the ones that God has entrusted with teaching the faith to your children. There is no one who gets to tell your child that Jesus loves them more than you do. There is no one who gets to show your child how much God has done for them, how he loves them, how he gave his life for them, how he has forgiven their sins, washed them clean, taken the guilt away. No one gets to do that more than you. May our children know us as those who speak God's word to them and for them. May they know to turn to the Lord's word and as David has done here, to pray to God in all times, all circumstances. Now David continues, For you, O God, have heard my vows. I don't know that there's anywhere where these vows are specifically laid out that King David has vowed to the Lord. That could be a kingly reference that he has vowed to serve God and to serve his people. Seems the most likely, but never spoken directly. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. You have given me. God has given to David. What has he given him? The heritage, that is the inheritance of those who fear his name, the faithful. This is Israel. This is the promised land. This is the city of Jerusalem where David sits enthroned as king, or at least If this is the coup, it's where he should be enthroned as king. God has given David a kingdom. Something Cyrus recognizes, the king of Persia in the late 6th century BC. Cyrus acknowledges in Ezra chapter 1 that God is the one who has given him all the kingdoms of the earth. That's what David is acknowledging here, that God has given him the land of Israel, the promised land, and the people to care for. So, Lord, verse 6, prolong the life of the king. 
You can ask your kids here, what is David praying for? Who is David praying for? The who can encompass a few things. Prolong the life of the king. If this is the coup by Absalom, this is probably not David praying for Absalom's reign. It wouldn't be unsurprising if he did. I mean, David sides with his sons to a fault, even when they get in trouble. David may be praying for himself, seems most likely, in which case he's also praying on behalf of the people that he would be able to perform his vows and care for the people. But this could be connected instead to the Second Samuel 7 promise that one of David's descendants will sit on his throne in Jerusalem forever. We know that to be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Ultimately, I think that's where it gets, although David is likely praying for himself in this, that the Lord would provide for him because then he could receive God's love and faithfulness to care for him and sing God's praise for the rest of his days. But again, there's that future look, the twofold nature of, of Scripture here, oftentimes in the Old Testament, that this is going to also point to Jesus, that Jesus would be enthroned forever before God. His ascension, he has been enthroned forever before God, and God is faithful. As the Lord, the Father, is faithful to the Son, the Son is faithful to us. The Father is faithful to us. So, God watch over your king, God watch over David, God watch over your son. The psalm concludes with David suggesting, praying, promising to praise God's name forever, and do the work God has given him to do, assuming again that the vows are vows to be a good king and care for the people. This is us as Christians, too. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Sorry, I just decided to add verse 17 there as well. This is what we do. We praise God every day, and we do the work that the Lord has laid before us, loving one another, loving our neighbor, and sharing Christ with others. For he is our rock and our strong tower. Praise me.